Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome. Welcome, one and all, to the season finale of season one of the Chungus Cast. If you guys haven't already figured that out, I'm your host, and yeah, um, in this episode, I sat down with my high school friend named Sean Cooper, who is a director of photography out in Los Angeles, and he just does a lot of cool stuff with some very famous. Uh, rappers, I'm sure you've heard of them. Blueface, uh, Takashi69, Gunna. He's filmed for Rihanna. He's filmed for Kendrick Lamar. You know, he's just all over the place, man, making a name for himself. And yeah, I hope you guys really enjoy it. And I'll hit you with the calls to action afterward. Goodbye. So, Gifford Hampshire, who are you? What's your name? Hey, hey everybody. My name is uh, Gif. I went to high school with Sean, and uh, yeah, I just I decided to get him on or try to get him on, and he so graciously accepted because I believe he has a very unique, I don't know, like lifestyle, career path, everything. I wanted to share that with the audience. Here, let me flip myself so we're all facing one way. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Oh, yeah, and then I could probably monitor on the camera to see how I look. Okay, I'm shooting at 22 millimeter. Okay, sure, why not? Nice. Don't know what that means, but I assume it's cool. Oh, it's very cool, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean, well, why don't you tell everybody who is, I mean, I assume everybody in here right now is like your followers, but why don't you tell my followers like what, you, what you're about, what you do? You, you Guys, were in high school with me. At, in high school when on the morning announcements on Good Morning Robinson, <laughs> you sometimes every once in a while you would see this guy um, on the morning announcements at school called like uh, the lunch guy or just Super Cooper. That that was Super me. Cooper. I was the guy that put on the blue like felt mask that I cut with scissors and stapled in the back. Like I was so bad at uh, costume design. That when I made my costume, like my costume, like was full of staples that would like cut me, and like I didn't know that there are better things than staples for putting pieces of a costume together. But basically, I was a cartoon superhero that I shot myself on a green screen, punching meatballs in space and screaming uh, at seven in the morning to the whole school. Like that's what I did. Choice of two vegetables. Previously on, no, I can't even do the voice anymore because I smoke now. It was legendary, man. Yeah, I'm I'm a special person. I have two tea bags in this cup of tea, and I'm Ooh, not gonna let you like it. You like it strong. I, I'm I come <laughs> I come on very strong. <laughs> uh, yeah, those were the days, man. And so then after after your you know you you did a little bit of a uh, film work as well back then. You were in a. Uh, you were in the IB film class that I was not in, but wished I was in. Yeah, you were in it. You weren't. <laughs> your syllabus didn't say you were in film studies, but like Miss Burgess, who is yeah. now Mrs. Fitzgerald, I shot her wedding. Oh, wow. Look uh, at yeah. You. It's, <laughs> it was great. It was uh, one of the greatest first jobs out of high school is like getting paid good money to shoot your film study teacher's wedding um at like the uh army country club maybe country army club. navy army navy yeah army navy same thing it's all the military <laughs> industrial complex. all canceled 
<laughs> Chris Farmer, what's up? Do you want to cancel the military with us? Cancel it. Uh, who would win, Sean Cooper or the U.S. military? Depends. Do they get their funding? Ooh, do I get do I get the U.S. military funding? Dude, yeah, if, I, say I, you I, get their funding. I get a music video for seven hundred billion dollars. Like you wouldn't even believe a seven hundred billion dollar Sean Cooper production. Like it, it's over. Um, but yeah, you 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 know. From what I remember, you did you did you helped out with a GMR. Did you help out with yearbook as well? No, fuck and, yearbook. Yeah, fuck yearbook. You did. You started the whole like Robinson, uh, like sports, making like video edits. Of we them. were Robinson Sports. Fuck everyone else. Like, listen, I know the yearbook was trying to do something. Like, it was their job to do something. But it was Good Morning Robinson. It was me, and it was Sam Sakura. It was Greg Coogan. It was a bunch of these, like, GMR, like, we are totally GMR Hall of Fame. Fuck everyone else. I mean, Jimmy Case is cool. Jimmy, what's up with your hair? Oh, dude, I love Jimmy Case. Yeah. I mean, I will send like, this to him. It was, also, it's like the genius of Ryan James Good, the GMR teacher who loved me but hated the shit out of Sam uh, for no reason. <laughs> like, Mr. Good called security on Sam. For literally just trying to get his backpack, like uh, some like crazy bullshit that like these adults have Mr. to be so insecure about eighteen-year-olds being better than them at their jobs, and that's but that's not the same Mr. Cook that was in the band, right? Mr. Good, no, Mr. Mr. Good, Mr. Cook was the child molester, right? He was the uh, child solicitor. Solicitor. Yeah. So he 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 didn't. He didn't he... He couldn't even succeed with that. Like, he tried, but he failed. It turned out to be a cop. <laughs> but yeah, fun fact. I uh, spent uh, 2000, I think, I guess it was 10, 2010 in a hotel that Mr. Cook was also staying in with, you know, like a hundred other underage kids. So, you know, who knows what went down then, but I was fine. Unless I repressed it, which is yeah, camp. <laughs> band camp is real. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, thank God I was a theater kid because we're all normal, right? <laughs> yeah. So tell me about the black box. What happened in there? And that I just remember when we would uh, prep for orchestra concerts. Sometimes there was violence. Oh God. Drugs. Everything in between. The entire human experience could be found in a high school theater department. In a, in a college <laughs> theater department, it's probably just pure debauchery. I haven't even seen a college theater department, but that looks like pure, unadulterated hedonism, followed by yeah. rehearsals and occasionally Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, and not enough money and too yeah. much sex and drugs. That's my it's, guess. A, a college theater room is just Adam Driver in the back eating an entire. Uh, rotisserie chicken with his hands that actually saying things like you uh, piece of shit spear chucking (laughs) oh my god no he did not say that adam driver is saying some crazy shit to go viral on purpose like can you believe that they aesthetic what's up they went with spear chucker that's that's a classic that's an old one I, yeah, the oldies, man. <laughs> I can't believe the depth of racism is just insane. Like, I yeah. don't understand the hate people, black people, 
get. I mean, I don't understand the hate black people get because like if you just look at American culture for one moment, American culture is black culture. And like, do they make the money off of it? Not really. Yeah, it's for sure. Like, uh, black people should be living like white people and white people should be living like not like how white people are living. <laughs> right. That's well, why I, I yeah no I mean that's how the point that's how it's kind of gotten with me too that it's like it doesn't make that it makes so little sense that it's comical like some of right. these insults it's just you know racial humor is not good but it's just it's just so funny that there are certain people that actually believe this stuff to me at least I think uh, comedy and suffering are inextricably related oh yeah for sure. Trauma can be made funny so easily. Like, boy, do I have some childhood trauma I could body slam this whole life oh, with. But I'm not going to do it just yet because I'm going to be better about content and trigger warnings. Because, like, for the non, like, woke, you know, politically incorrect people, I understand, like, when you hear content warning trigger, you think, oh, snowflake libtard uh uh biden supporter you know hillary lover trump hater all of that but the reason for this is think about like a cousin or a friend of yours who was deployed and then they lost their leg to an ied and they spend two years at walter reed hospital because he needed a lot more surgeries than the other guys um and then he comes back and then when you invite him over to play gears of war it's not the same yeah yeah playing gears of war or call of duty even halo uh you know just any game battlefield especially can you imagine playing battlefield because their sound design just shat on call of duty so hard uh battlefield like the way that they did explosions in battlefield if like my brother had uh been deployed to Afghanistan, not as a contractor for telco or satellite, but if my brother had gone to Afghanistan and like lost a leg or something, mm -hmm. I never could have had those memories of playing Call of Duty with my brother and killing him 32-0, bitch. <laughs> so you're like much younger than your brother, right? 20 years younger than my brother. Damn. How, how was that growing up? Did you learn a lot, a lot faster? Because I... I want to tell you that I remember one I time. Yeah, I remember one time we were in uh, Mr. Marston's class, if you remember that. Bob Marston, Captain yeah. Bob Marston. I'd yeah. like to green light that dude's house and be like, what's <laughs> up? I got mango cards. I got indica strain. I got espresso uh, <laughs> beans. I got edibles. I got $50,000 cinema cam camera packages. What do you want? Like let's let's make a documentary literally right now. Yeah. I will hit record on I my. I hope he's still with us, and, honestly. And make it and sell Netflix your life story and make you a millionaire. Are you ready, former Navy intelligence officer Bob Marston? Oh yeah, that was the best part. He told us about uh, all the hazing rituals the Navy put him through. Which honestly, you're not supposed to tell. I feel like you're not supposed to tell anybody that, let alone a, a group of tenth graders. Hey, if you shoot <laughs> uh, big budget rap videos. Part of your job is not talking about the fact that you shoot big budget rap videos. Yeah. yeah. So I can relate 
on a deep level to Bob Marston because he's lived a cool fucking life. But if you are standing in front of 30 uh, high schoolers uh, who would all be put on uh, no-fly lists, if you were to finish your sentence, sometimes you just have to, like, so, yeah, this one time I was talking to my commanding officer, and, like, we're all, like, yeah, because we do not want to listen to another lecture about the Iranian legislature. We're, like, yeah, your commanding officer was doing what? And he's, like, I... Anyway, so the Duma is kind of like this. (laughs) Only like three people are going to get that joke, but I'm so glad you made it. (laughs) I pulled out Duma, Gifford. Yeah. Do you remember the Duma? But the reason I brought this up is because I remember one day going to class and you told us about like a party that you went to with your brother, who's 20 years older than you. And there was like dildos at the party. And I'm... I'm the oldest child in my family, so like I'm very innocent. And I was like, "What? What is? That? What is? What are those things? What are you talking about, man?" And I just remember that so distinctly. So like, I say this all to say that you must have grown up pretty fast. I grew up so fast, Gifford. Like I, when I was content warning, trigger warning, everything warning. Just be ready. This is fucked okay, up. Okay, we're getting into it. Old. Um, I woke up to my mother cheating on my dad with her lawyer. And I, now that I have a, uh, like that, that young boy video that I shot now has 20 million views. All of a sudden I'm being looked at a little bit different from the guy who was doing like $500 music videos for shy glizzy. Um, I mean, I'm still doing videos for shy glizzy but it's shy glizzy like is that not the same level explain to a layman like myself because to Uh me i feel like ever since oh yeah the show i mean like you shot with 69 last year right or two years ago yeah i shot with takashi 69 in 2017 in 2017 i shot with takashi 69 kendrick lamar rihanna uh and king los yeah i mean like to Uh, me that's that's like you made it at that point but like you're you're saying yeah, this like shy glizzy or this of like wow super huge people that I can distantly shoot okay uh, and wow really talented people that I can collaborate with really closely and then all of a sudden I'm like bridging the gap with like people who are talented and have money mm-hmm. who are just like you can be one of the people in here uh, that's kind of how it works when you're moving up is usually you start out and you're probably just bumped my eight camera mic no man you're good good thing i don't have a sound mixer that i just hurt his ears or or her ears (laughs) Um, honestly uh not to be sexist but i i prefer woman sound mixers just because they're just better at writing the levels they're just on it interesting pay attention men Uh don't men are just not as good uh Oh, we're we're off a little bit. It's, it's like redlining. Yeah. It's like we're, we're off a little bit. We're, <laughs> we're off a little bit. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. Honestly, there are nowhere near enough women in film. Like, and I don't, and I don't mean to say that as like uh, a guy who likes girls romantically. I'm saying that as like someone in a leadership position and seeing uh, people have different qualities at work uh particularly on a film set 
um, you benefit so richly from having a intersectional cast and crew. Um, and some big companies will misconstrue that and say, oh, this set needs to be all women. So let's hire people just because they're women. I remember a story, uh, a dolly grip named Rue, I think, uh, gave an interview on Walking Backwards, another podcast, where she said that she had to change her name in order to appear on a call sheet as, um, you know, like gender ambiguous. It's like, it's kind of like when you see, um, I don't know, Jenny? No, John. They're a, a gender. What's up, Joe? By gender joining. Multi gender names out there. So they changed their name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they started to get a lot more work. Interesting. And then whenever she showed up to work, because her pronouns are her, she, uh, when she showed up to work, they were like, Where's Rue? And they're like, I'm Rue, bitch. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then they uh, work. And then uh, they're like, oh, shit, Rue, you're amazing. Uh, I didn't think you were amazing because you're a woman. Um, and she's like, I know you want to keep working with me, but uh, bye. Uh, and it's just so hard to be a woman in the film industry for that reason, that um, you have all of this like affirmative action type bullshit. You have all of these like incredibly hormonal men in charge. Um and then you have, you know, just so many layers of obstacles to uh, moving up in your career that I think, like, anytime I see, like, a, uh, what's her name? Catherine Bigelow. She did The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. Ava DuVernay. She did um, a lot of recent Netflix documentaries. Um and she wins awards like nothing. Like she did Selma. Yeah. Selma 13th. When they see us, a wrinkle in time. That's, that's... Hell yeah. We're doing a real interview where you can yeah. Google yeah. stuff. Yep. yep. I knew that all off the top of my head. <laughs> no, 13th is definitely like a big one on Netflix right now for sure. Yeah, you definitely struck me in high school as like a really innocent person. Whereas like I, Sean Cooper, am like the most erratic teenager in in their entire grade. Like I remember you guys gave me fucking best of 2014. Like you guys, like for my ego, literally told me I was the best. What the hell, guys? Yeah, that was a bad. We created a monster. You guys created a monster, (laughs) literally. I start. I then I overworked myself for the next six years after I graduated. And I mean, I guess I accomplished a few dreams, but like, fuck, this is hard. Well, well so why, why was, what made you bridge the gap between, because you were doing these far away shoots with Kendrick and like, he's running by you. What made you get, because the NBA young boy, why is that so impactful in your career? I guess, because it seems like, you know, that's, that was a big deal or is a big deal for you right now? I'll say the fans, okay. because I remember being a diehard TDE fan. Mm-hmm. Like, um, neither uh, Instagram Live or my A-camera shot uh, show the, the TDE hat and the Panavision hat next to each other. 
But like the fact that I have those two hats, like that's the only decoration I have in this whole room, basically, kind of says a lot that it's like Panavision because they're my heroes in filmmaking from a technical standpoint and TDE because they've made a lot of very important music to me. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that this label has Isaiah Rashad, Kendrick Lamar, SZA, J-Rock. Um, did I mention Isaiah Rashad? Absol, yeah. <laughs> Schoolboy Q. Uh, their roster is so amazingly deep. Uh, Reason, uh, Zakari's music is amazing um, and so unexpected. Um, even Lance Skywalker, like behind the scenes, I hear his work is really dope. They just don't know what to do with them. Um, and it's funny because now that I, the further I go up in the, in the music video industry, the more I'm like in parallel going up in the music industry in general, as far as like what I know. And it's unfortunate because I'll listen to a musician and I'm like, dude, this song's amazing. And then they'll be like, yeah, I, I wouldn't listen to them if I were you. And I'm like, what? Come on. It's almost like someone is spoiling a TV show for me because someone says blah, blah, blah is actually a really shitty person and no one knows. Because then I'm like, oh, why did I? Why do I now have this luggage? You got to separate the art from the artist, though. This goes back to a discussion I had. Um, like, because, like, I can still enjoy Takashi's music. Yeah. Even though I've personally worked with Takashi. And I've seen him become... I've seen Takashi be a normal person. Like, he and I walk into, like, not a bodega, but, like, a bodega um in brooklyn um and i see just like a bunch of like hispanic dishes i've never seen before um and then the lady behind the counter recognizes him and then he nods and she starts making his plate and then she asks me um you know uh que quieres or some something like that and i'm like uh pollo uh arroz uh um and then i i get this whole huge plate uh for free because like takashi like apparently like probably pays like part of the lease at this place (laughs) so he just goes up and eats there right um i think is a is a genius move like if i if i start rapping or something if i if my career looks like someone like mez where mez in reverse where i started music videos and i become a rapper i have a friend who's gonna do that where (laughs) honestly my friend is just as good of a rapper as he is a filmmaker and he's a really good filmmaker so it's kind of incredible to watch people be multi-talented because that takes so much life energy and at the same time they're extra sensitive to trauma if they have more than one form of art is something that i've noticed because i have friends who are great at like six different arts and those people are so sensitive. Like, you really have to be careful about what you say to them. But, man, they are such beautiful, like, pure people if they do, like, a lot of different art. But you can still find that in people who do one art just way too fucking much. Like, the amount of 100-hour weeks in a row that I do is kind of masochistic. It's really masochistic to work more than 50 hours a week i i totally totally agree yeah europeans will be like this is the most stupid thing i've ever heard (laughs) Uh, 
a French person would be like, this is most stupid American <laughs> possible. Sacre bleu. Like, you know, some shit like that, where the shit that we do, like spoken, oh shit, spoken's in the live. Like, are you are you still here, bro? Because I started to talk about Takashi. Like, that was funny. The fact that you took Chris and I up to Brooklyn and then we shot Takashi and we did not want to go back to Virginia. Fuck that. Like, we were so tired. So you had this friend named Mango in upstate at the CIA, the Culinary Institute, and we stayed at his apartment. And then the next day we went to the CIA to eat and that shit was delicious. And then we drove back from Brooklyn to Virginia and I got motion sick like shit. I hated my fucking life. But it was a great experience. Thank you. Uh, and that other shoot we did for that same video was cool, too. I don't know if you're in that live. It was live still. But, man, I have a lot of stories. Like, Mo from Fat Life, I think, is in here. I don't know if they're still in here. Like, anytime I see a name pop up, I, like, so many stories come up. Like, this could be a recurring thing, honestly. This is this is the pilot episode, and it's failing. So, so uh, Takashi though, did what about Takashi? Did you see him be like a normal? Like you said, you saw him be normal. What does yeah. that, what does that mean? Normal means like you're eating lunch, and you're just talking about like what you're you're just talking to your friend about another friend about like boring vanilla granola plain ass friend stuff, mm-hmm. and just like his car and. And he's just tired a lot. Yeah. Um, so I, I look at someone like Takashi 69 as someone who's undergone uh, so much trauma. Um, I met this guy named Slick Jackson who told me all about 6ix9ine's like origin story. And 6ix9ine really is the perfect music industry villain because 6ix9ine's origin story is fucking crazy. Uh, you will not believe the stuff that has happened around this man. And, like, him going to jail, him coming back from jail. Um, And, of course, like, he did some stuff that I have no sympathy for. Well, as a law student, I can tell you that what he went to jail for was kind of a hit job. Like, like it's he went to jail for what's called uh, being associated. The charge is called RICO. So, basically, back in uh, the the 20s and 30s, we had these big Sicilian mafia structures and we had the, the Kappa and then you had all the little concierges. The Kappa, and, yeah. Dons, yeah. And, and the, there, there was no way to get to the head because they, they didn't participate in any crime. So you couldn't charge a regular conspiracy charge. So Congress sat down and they said, okay, let's create a new law. And it's called, uh, this is not legal advice, by the way, just putting that out there. This is just me rambling on the internet. But uh, it's called uh, racketeering something something enterprise. Basically, it's a different type of conspiracy. And, and the way it works is... Yeah. Racketeering if can... interstate commerce. Yeah. Racketeering like and interstate commerce. That's my guess. Because yeah. interstate commerce is how you uh, involve... That's how you get federal charges at the federal, federal level. level. Yeah, correct. Oh, wow, look at yeah. you, man. You should Rico, be Rico charges are federal charges. Right, correct. And so, basically, if you can comp- if you can prove 
that there's an organization that participates in two, I think it is crimes per year or something like that. And you can prove that the person you're charging the RICO conspiracy with is associated with that organization. You can charge them for the crimes. And so basically they just got enough evidence to prove that uh, 6 9 was with the, was it like Trey, Trey 6 Crips or something like that? Or Bloods? Sorry. I'm, I'm going to get beat up. Uh, Who's been your favorite to work with? Your favorite, I guess, semi-famous oh, to famous. His, his name's Khan. Okay. Oh, okay. So How my favorite famous person? Yeah, famous. I guess you could say Khan's uh, not really famous. Do you want to know who's famous? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, wait. I have to think about this for a second. Because Gunna was, was so was cool. I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about Gunna. Yeah, but yeah. Blueface? Don't don't get yourself in trouble. Yeah, how was he? Because that, that music video was cool. Oh, thanks. Um, Blueface is like my friends have done a lot of work with him, so I'm like kind of calculating like what I can and can't say in real time. Yeah, no worries. But what I can say is like on set, uh, like working with him, it's funny to shoot something with him, and then after the take. He's like, can I see playback? And then I run playback for him, and he's like, what focal length is that? And I'm like, 16. And he's like, full body. Uh, I'm like, all right. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, I like that shot, by the way. Uh, and then we, we roll the next one, and he's like, all right, what do you want to do next? And I'm like, uh, can we do some B-roll by your G-Wagon? He's like, mm, yeah. Um, and I'm like, the light seems decent enough. Like, And then I have like people like running around me with a reflector because like I work so fast um in music videos that it's really hard for people to keep up with me uh or no i shouldn't say that because that comes off as egotistical but like i'm a lot (laughs) like you can hear me talk like imagine like watching me like run around set with a 90 pound camera on my body being like i literally have an 85 pound steady cam rig like when you count the vest and the arm and the sled and the camera and the batteries and the monitors when you count all that stuff the whole camera package, like, I remember my camera being a lot smaller than it is now, and I stepped on a scale, and I was 70 pounds heavier. And my camera is at least 10 pounds heavier than this time last year. Dang. Which, which is funny how my camera gains weight as my career uh, as a DP takes off, but as my career, like, gets even further, then my camera is going to shrink. Uh, which what is going to be What does DP stand for, by the way? Director of photography. Okay, cool. That's what I so thought. So it's kind of was. like I am the vice president. I am the Dick Cheney shooting the director in the face. Uh, gotcha. Basically. Nice. Yeah, that's my job. I shoot the director in the face. Every <laughs> time I work on a project, I challenge everyone I work with. I am the furthest thing from a yes man on set. Um, You're a no man. No matter what the shot is, this is such a weakness, but a strength at the same time. That's why I'm saying this out loud. Um, No matter what the idea is, like, I have a visceral reaction to the idea that is so hard to hide. So, like, if someone on set gives me a bad idea, it is, it's kind of funny to watch me react to a bad idea versus a good idea because I don't care where good ideas come from. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care if 
um, that person says <laughs> um, this idea is good, or I don't care if like um, the location manager says an idea is good. And like they, I don't care if someone hasn't been paying attention to anything at all and they say something random, I'll still hear it because you never know what an objective right. third party is going to say about your situation and what they're going and how they're going to look at the problems that you have because sometimes you're on set and you're wondering like how to get that last setup in time before wrap uh and i'm using some terms here that i would have to catch you up on separately but sometimes a location manager can just say why don't you just do a setup over there on the staircase um and then just you know keep just pan the tungsten light over there and throw a shadow on the wall and then mount some tubes onto the uh you know the edges of the the case and then we'll fog it up and then you do your crazy study cam shit and it will fit into the video just like your last one he didn't say right. all of that but he right. said just enough that I filled in the rest of the puzzle. And you should be thankful for PAs, grips, art department. I don't care who's on set. I don't care if another director shows up on set and you haven't met this person and they start saying things that don't sound like uh, an AC is talking. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Where is all this good advice coming from? And I'm like, wait, who are you? <laughs> And I feel bad for doing that whole process of like, wait, who are you? Because I had to remember like, where am I in the corporate structure of this set right now? Where am I standing politically? You know, how, how am I positioned in this agency right now on set? Because if, because that's when I realized I was talking to the creative director and I'm like, oh my God, okay. All the good ideas are coming from the creative director. <laughs> Okay, so this per this person, okay, let's keep working with this person. This guy's dope. Okay, great. Um, and then you know we make the rest of our day, and the client's super happy, um, and it went and it goes nothing like how we thought it was gonna go, but it went beautifully, in the end, and it was chaos, but in the end it's beautiful, and that's that's a hard hard production process to sell to a label, to just enforce controlled chaos and shoot it um just off of feeling like yes we have a shot list but at the same time this artist is not shot list friendly that's a hard thing to uh to sell to people that control a lot of budget is just the um because in the filmmaking economy how you do things is it's almost kind of classist it's like, are you in the $500 A7S Ronin class? Are you in the $2,000 A7S Ronin class? Or are you shooting with a, um, a black magic? It's like, what tools do you have access to? And then we will judge you based on that. What experience do you have? And then we will respect you based on that. Or it, it may not even work like that. Sometimes it's like, no, we already respect you. You need to trust yourself to share with us your all of your ideas, um, and that's that's the kind of growing pain that you run into when you break from the five thousand dollar level past 
the 10, 20, 30, 40, you know, and you mm -hmm. grow by adding a zero to the budget, then you're starting to run into things you've never heard of before. And doesn't it get to the point where someone for that. Doesn't it get to the point where, you know, you reach a certain pay scale level? Oh, how does that happen to you? No, like, just like, does it does it ever get to the point where like oh like adding an extra zero it happens in the industry like this price point we go we go from this price and then like th there's people who operate at this price point but there's just no it's not necessary like I feel like there's a certain budget level for any sort of you know movie music video whatever that you just it, it, it's just a waste of money at that point you know. You know what's know. funny? One of my heroes, uh, Roger Deakins, um, plenty of the people uh, watching now know who Roger is. Um, in an interview, he was talking about how he shot Sicario. Um, <laughs> That's a great movie. Great movie. Great movie. Great movie. Uh, wasn't it uh, Denis Bellevue? Del uh, French is... name is very hard for me. It is Denny. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Dennis. Villanueva. Yep. Is Dennis. that how you say that? French New Wave. Denny French New Wave. Anyway, so Roger Deakins was talking about how we shot Sicario. And he said, so we were only working with 30 million. Wow. And right <laughs> off the bat, I'm like, whoa, hold on. You only had 30 million. Like his problems are so different from my problems. It's not even funny. Like we don't even do the same job. Honestly, right. I right. don't have the same right. job as Roger Deakins. I don't have the same job as Matty Libatique, as uh, uh, Newton Thomas Siegel, as, you know, the guy that shot Joker that I can never remember his name. Um, Dana Gonzalez, like the, the Canadian DPs that I follow, that some follow me, like this one Canadian DP always accidentally bumps Todd into Phillips the live stream. Did Joker. Oh, man. Uh, was Wait, was Todd Phillips a DP or the director? Director, sorry. You mean the DP yeah. of Joker? Yeah, who is the DP on Joker? Because he said a lot of great things. That sounds right. Lawrence Cher, Lawrence Cher, ASC, he shot Joker. Um, yeah, he yeah, shot Joker. Great shots. Oh, my God. Okay, whatever you think about Joker as a movie, like some people, like when they hear about Joker, yeah, they just totally tune out it. because that yeah. movie was so culturally yeah. significant that people are like, stop, stop. Like the Dark Knight, we already like spent a decade worshiping Heath Ledger's performance on on dark night just make it stop you know and then joker comes and then uh fucking joaquin phoenix like acts his ass off and then the american public's like god damn it um but really <laughs> like rod phillips and Lawrence Cher directed the shit out of a comic book movie it is so good as a comic book movie i enjoyed it so much i never even finished it honestly i'm so bad at finishing movies because i just savor shots so much i hate That's, the fact yeah. that movies are two hours long because you have so many shots to look at and you can forget good shots but here's the beauty of a movie because they're two three four hours long a harry potter series the lord of the Rings series any movie series the three colors 
if you're a hipster, if you like Wong Kar Wai, um, or uh, Bong Joon Ho, or um, Kurosawa, or Bresson, or Goddard, or Paul Thomas Anderson, or any auteur, you know, going back to the film studies days, like if you like any of that, you can get lost in it. And you can be like, ah, tonight I'm going to throw in a Bresson movie and I'm going to get my finest Cabernet um, and I'm going to put on my <laughs> nice slippers um, and I'm going to smoke a fat blunt of Indica, 30% <laughs> with like coated with wax and teeth. And I'm just going to like enjoy Black Swan for the 11th time in a row. Because I love Matty Libatique the way he shoots. And I want to rewatch Requiem for a Dream like today. <laughs> I want to watch like a, another Aronofsky movie today. <laughs> I need to watch Arrival. Like there are so many movies that are oh, so good man. that I haven't seen yeah. because yeah. I just don't give myself the time to watch all of Kubrick's movies. I don't give myself the time to watch all of Scorsese's movies because this is a form of self-care is to actively pursue all the art that you want to pursue. Like depression is a full bookcase that you never touch. For sure, man. I totally, totally. If we're being that. honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, so it's a, it's a pocket full of DVDs that you never even look at. <laughs> what do you think about like, like? Do you ever watch any anything or any? Is there any sort of thing that you watch, that's a movie or a TV show or whatever that you go into it purely from a non like you go into it and you try and not pay attention to shots maybe it's anime you know like yeah say, like, say yeah i was a painter yeah, you got and it. i would you go into a museum okay yeah okay shut up gifford avatar the last airbender that's my answer that shit yeah. is so good and i don't have to think about what lens they're using on avatar the last <laughs> airbender i don't have to think yeah. about what focal length they're pretending to use in avatar the last airbender can speak volumes of that. Oh, I thought you were complaining about volume. Sorry, Brian. Anyway, um, you're not a sound mixer. Get off my back. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm just I'm just a salty amateur colorist uh, who likes to bitch about DPing too much. Anyway, Avatar is so much fun to watch because animation there are no limits. Nah, <laughs> there are no limits to animation. Um, yeah, there, you don't have to think about how the limits, fuck but... get a camera from here to there. How the fuck right. does a camera right. do that? In animation, you know, it doesn't care. It doesn't matter. You don't have to wait until 7.14 p.m. for the sun to be at the perfect angle to shoot this shot to match the shot, the reverse that you did at 6.15 p.m. Like, you don't have to match six feet, six, you don't have to match early sunset with late sunset when you're doing animation you have to write it well and that's what i love about avatar you have to write it well and then it's like fuck a camera fuck lighting fuck casting well no not fuck casting <laughs> don't not no, fuck, okay. no, never, say that. <laughs> never never say fuck casting unless it's a music video uh anyway uh, so yeah, Avatar is great because it's like the most movie, cartoon, TV show ever 
that mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about like, wow, look at this beautiful frame and worry about like not seeing that beautiful frame ever again. It's crazy that I love cinematography so much that I legitimately have abandonment issues and I'm afraid to watch new movies because I'm afraid to like my old movies less. Like that mm -hmm. is a pretty deep uh, observation about like why I don't watch enough movies and why like from 2010 to 16, I watched hundreds of movies and uh, TV show episodes. Um, having a girlfriend for two years will do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Somebody else? Somebody else? Was that you Sorry. that said that to me? That when you have a girlfriend, that's when you watch TV? Yeah, I think that um, was No, I don't think I said that because you I don't remember talking to you for many years. Well, maybe it was um, when, I, when I called you. The question that I want to address here, what's a good beginner videography camera? Yeah. Uh, Sorry if you answered. Yeah, go for it. Uh, you don't have to apologize because I get that question all of the fucking time. And you should never feel bad about asking that question. Don't feel bad about the questions that you ask people that know more than you. Um, and it's already pretentious for me to just say I know more than you. Um, FS5? Uh, I, I disagree. Get a C100 with dual pixel autofocus. BMCC 4K? Yeah. I agree with that. That's a really great camera, but I suggest the C100 Mark II um, and a good tripod, um, and then you can get into Steadicam. And then once you're into Steadicam and you have a C100, then you can choose whether you want to move up with a nicer camera or with a nicer Steadicam. And then, boom, your local 600 in five years. If that makes so, sense. Sean, uh, no, Sean, I a lot of step. Sean, I just want I to say that the camera you just recommended as a beginner camera is four thousand dollars. No, 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 not that one. Not that no. one. Um, the C100 uh, used. Used. Oh, okay, okay, not the. Okay. Don't get the Mark II. Get the Mark One used for like nine hundred bucks or whatever. Okay. Honestly, right. now we're. Because you can do that. Uh, you can also just get a regular Canon Vixia camcorder for a hundred bucks. Because I mean, I sound like a Canon fanboy because it's what I know. And if someone is asking me what camera to start with, I'm either going to say Canon, Blackmagic, Panasonic, Sony, Fiji probably, um, Z Cam is another one. Um, and if you have like eight thousand dollars fuck it get an alexa classic oh my eight camera's about to run out my alexa's about to stop recording oh no sad anyway we're still going or no that's this is a good opportunity yeah. to um yeah. add another handy dandy cfast card um but uh, I would like to give you the spotlight for the next couple minutes. Okay, sure. Yeah, you've been talking a lot. Um, I don't know. I don't. I haven't really gone off the the cuff recently. I guess I should. 
I should start by saying, uh, I guess, um, <laughs> well, so I, I did have one thing to ask you, and I'll start with a little story about how I'm going to ask it. So I hope this doesn't piss you off. But basically, um, I've been off and on Twitter for a while, and Twitter started doing this new thing where it would uh, oh, wait, sometimes... Wait, wait, hold on, pause. What are you going to talk about? Just like in in a word... Like in a log line, likes. what are you gonna Twitter like? No, no, don't <laughs> stop. Stop. Okay. <laughs> I guess I won't. <laughs> I'm so glad. I was like, wait, hold on. What is he? Oh, no, shut it down. <laughs> I I learned this from the rappers that I work with. Honestly, it's a great skill. <laughs> hold on. What are you about to talk about? You're, no. Moving on. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, yeah. Worries, Moving though. on. Don't worry. That would have been a great topic. That would, would have been be a great funny. topic for a non-broadcasted discussion. I'll I'll just say I'll just say there's I haven't seen anything that's bad on there that, but I'll just say that I've been like, "Oh, you know, oh. That's surprising. I wasn't expecting to see that, you know." Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. That's valid. yeah. No, nothing bad. Yeah. Like I would just oh, see like Sean Cooper like this. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway. Like the fact that I Korean Starcraft. No, it was more just like like you know like raunchy stuff. Uh, uh, oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, so not that that's bad, but I'm just like it's like the Ted Cruz meme. And we're done. Um. So first and foremost. Thank you all so much for listening to season one. It's been a blast. And, you know, I'm I'm taking a break now because I need to basically spend some time and just record a bunch of stuff. And I was cranking stuff out pretty quick, but I had a lot of creative energy back then. So, you know, I'm going to take some time um, and just really get some good content and then release it all in uh, cycles like I was doing for the better part of season one. Uh, two ep- the final two episodes were delayed releases, but you know that was because of just lack of time and stuff like that. So I'm gonna take some time and then release um season two. So yeah, be on the lookout for that. Uh, November third. You might want to tune into my Twitch and check out our coverage of the election results, and then maybe that'll be a good springboard for season two. No promises on that front. Second, uh, I'd just like to re- apologize for the echo you're hearing with Sean's microphone. It, I think um, his Instagram Live was sending feedback. I didn't catch that when we recorded, unfortunately. But yeah, it, it, it must have really messed, messed it up for him on that front. But, you know, I did the best I could to limit it here in post. Um... And this was not all the content we had with Sean. This is just basically like the first half. So, you know, maybe I'll release the second half in season two. I'll see what I can do with that. And yeah, um, we normally have some tribal music to, or not tribal music, but like cultural music to end the episode. However, I'm going to do something a little different. Um, If you remember, I mentioned... On my YouTube, which you can access by going to my anchor.com page, there's a YouTube link. Uh, on my YouTube, there's a, a movie, a short movie called 
Zhangju Zhang Mao, which is a short film we did in high school about a panda and a bunch of other stuff, and we did our best to record some traditional Chinese music for that movie. But it was written and recorded by us. It wasn't like we, you know, were we wrote the somebody else wrote the music and we were re-recording. This was originally produced by us. So yeah. I'm going to play that to send us off out of season one. Here it is. And yeah, you'll hear uh, our good friend Jacob uh, with the lyrics. So I hope you guys enjoy. And you know, you know all the regular stuff. Um, feedback, very important. Uh, rating, reviewing, subscribing, uh, very important. Promoting to your friends, very important. And you know, that's about it. Thank you all so much for being along this journey with me. I'm really excited to get to season two, but I think we need a little creative break. I hope you guys agree. So yeah, keep me in your thoughts. And here is Zhang Zhu Zhang Mao's uh, main theme, if you will. Goodbye. I can't let this happen again.